0: Welcome to the Legendarium. Today we are talking scary stories with uh, Matt Woolley. He's a former guest of the podcast, coming back to help us work through some of our issues. Uh, So join us, have some fun. Glad to have you.
1: Now this is just Halloween. It's supposed to be fun, playing dress-up and trick-or-treating. But Mom, that little doll looked just like Joey, and Ernest said... Honey, we have been through
2: all this. There are no such things as trolls. Uh, Mom... While you're in here, could you check under the bed? I thought I heard. Stop acting like you're two years old. There is nothing under the bed. Now put on your costume and come on downstairs. We're all going over to the Halloween party together. But, Mom. Elizabeth, don't be silly. There's nothing under the bed.
3: There's nothing under the bed. There's nothing under the bed.
2: Snuffies, it's just you.
0: Yes, indeed, welcome back. It is the legendary podcast. I am Craig Hanks. You Be scared. Oh, shut up. <laughs> uh, man, you're annoying. Uh, should i just intro you now then is you might as well one? i'm here okay well if you've ever doubted that werewolves are real just take a look at the top of his feet it's my legendary co-host <laughs> ryan Bruckman. Oh. that okay and if enthusiasm for weird mud races were currency he'd be a billionaire it's panelist ken johnson this is dirty and he's been on the podcast enough times now. I'm probably going to have to start insulting him soon. It's clinical psychologist and University of Utah professor, Dr. Matt Woolley.
3: And I don't have a catchphrase.
0: No, no you don't need <laughs> one. Uh, neither do they. I want one, though. Uh, well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll find one out. by the end of the thing okay. for you. We'll all right. That's the goal. That's the goal. Uh, all right. Today uh, is, well, it's uh, two days before Halloween as we record this. And so the subject that we're going on is uh, scary stories and why we like them. I'm very excited about this. It's kind of a it's a, a mashup of previous episodes that we've done. So if you uh, haven't yet listened to the other episodes with Dr. Matt Woolley, hit up our archives, uh, search our website for "Fairy Tales: The Darker the Better" was right. one, and then "Comic Books Are Good for Kids' Brains" uh, was another one uh, that you were on. So we two classics really. Uh, Frankly, probably the most intellectual one we have ever I mean, had. There are a couple of my favorites. Those and uh, the Women of the Lord of the Rings was way over our heads, right, right?
1: <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, the and quietest then, that Craig and I have ever been on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're like,
3: yeah, they're hot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which would immediately gotta get us kicked out of the room. Yeah, yeah. probably. Uh, and uh, anyway, we're mashing up uh, Dr. Matt Woolley with uh, the uh, horror movies podcast that we did several months ago. I brought in a few people that uh, now my my panelists and my co-host were too frightened to come on to that one. Uh so this is new for you guys, but I'm excited to kind of mix those two together, uh talk about uh kind of the psychology of horror a little bit. Um and I guess we'll just go on that. So I I had a question from Todd who is not here. He sent a question in uh and I thought it was kind of a good place to start. Okay. His question is what is the difference between um People listening to ghost stories and people watching horror movies. Why is it that one is palatable to us nowadays and the other is not? Why, you know, why is one scary and the other is but not?
3: That's an assumption, right? Right. It, 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 so, is he saying that listening to ghost stories, someone tell a ghost story, is not scary? I'm assuming that he's that's assuming his, that. That's there's his, there's a lot of well, he never went to scout camp. Me. No. Um, <laughs> well, I think I think it has a little bit to do with the you know the the times, right? I mean, um, people sitting around and telling stories is less common, but I will say sitting and listening to somebody who is a really excellent storyteller, and there is an art to that, is so enjoyable. One of my favorite things is listening to audiobooks, which isn't quite the same, but somebody telling a scary story can be really, really enjoyable. So I would say um, the reason that it's more palatable is movies are cooler, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the science of it. They're cooler. Um, movies have a lot more going on. That's the medium we choose most of the time. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that personally, so I used to be on the radio a lot. We did a radio show for a lot of years here in Salt Lake. And one of the things that I feel strongly about is that radio or, you know, audio, like a podcast, is a very strong medium because it engages one's um own personal um, imagination. And so uh, you, you imagine what the people look like or what the story's about. You can feel part of a family. So people, uh, I think it's becoming old-fashioned to have uh, really local radio shows that people are connected with. There are a few national ones still, but that's why podcasts, I think, are so popular. Uh, probably a lot of the reasons Todd and other people listen to your podcast is they feel like they're part of your family, even though they don't come hang out here. Probably right. We don't give him the address. Not so no. Much. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> Somebody's get in anyway. That's why we had <laughs> yeah. to move. Right. <laughs> we move every few months. Um, but so I would actually argue against a little bit with Todd. Todd probably has very few op- opportunities to listen to somebody tell a really good scary story. Mm-hmm. Actually, Most of the time, it's it's kind of cheesy, and it probably doesn't even happen that often anymore.
1: I actually think Todd might be arguing the other direction. Yeah, maybe. Oh, really? Okay. If
3: specifically, well... Do you know Todd? Is, yeah. Okay. He's
1: our other parent. Todd. Todd on the... Yeah. Todd. The, the main th- reason... What I'm thinking about what Todd's talking about here and my my little take on it is the idea that, you know, why would someone be more willing to listen to a scary story versus going to the movies to see what, we, what are considered scary stories
3: now? Ah. And... So Todd's agreeing with me. Good job, Todd. Way to, way to be, Todd. <laughs> yeah. Todd was sitting, I guarantee you, for the last like five minutes, Todd was going, no!
1: No, that's not what okay, I meant. Okay, so
3: I, I misunderstood. Thanks for being well, me yeah, have to yeah, try I mean, that, would be, Craig, that would I be
0: me. I, I made an ass out of, <laughs> of Todd and me. No,
3: it's all good. That's I nice. would say, so now that we're agreeing with Todd, um, <laughs> I think it's more personal. Listening to a really scary, engaging story told by somebody who has the art of storytelling, that engages your own personal fantasies fears imagination so you have a more personal connection to it i would say it's a very different experience going to the movie theater he may say palatable because maybe there are you know there may be violence uh, language and sexual content in the movies that he doesn't you know feel comfortable watching but let's say those weren't factors it's just a different experience it's more of a group jump and scare kind of laugh and fun experience and that's why um Horror movies, specifically the slasher genre, make so much stinking money. They make more money than any other genre of film because they're cheap to make and people love watching them in groups over and over again. So they do very, very well on DVD. They still have those, right? Mm -hmm. And um, they do really well in the theaters. So even a lousy, low-budget movie like we were, before we started, talking about the fact that Craig, I can't believe this, has never seen the Friday the 13th movies, and I was up watching them on AMC last night they're They're terrible, like they're low budge, but they're so fun and and everybody loves kind of the jump and scare get together watch it as a group this weekend Halloween people will be doing that so I would say it, Todd probably has a more sophisticated horror palette, if we can say it that way, and loves the the personal connection with the the real thrills and and fear i think that there's
1: don't. a I think there's a value in the in what you're talking about, the, that engaging the imagination because there's nothing more scary to us than what than what's sitting in our imagination. Um, because if you go to a movie, everything is told to you. like You don't have to think much. Like You can try and figure out the story as it's going on, but you're visually given everything that you need to process. Whereas, uh, I've just been listening to a podcast called Lore and it's there are little 20-minute segments about urban legends that exist and for the last like hour and a half as I was listening to them on my way up here I'm sitting here kind of freaking out like yeah I've seen stuff like that before or I'm you know this is freaking me out and it's all because it's allowing my mind to fill in blanks that didn't that it just put out there yeah. so for me in terms of the value of it as a horror piece uh, for me it's more enjoyable because it's 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 me filling in those blanks and it's a more engaging piece rather than just sitting there going Waiting for the music to cue me to jump, and there it is. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, well, let's before we shift to a slightly different topic, because we're talking about audio and its value. Uh, I'll just take a quick moment to remind our listeners that the Legendary Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, uh, the world's leading audiobook provider. There are cajillions, I believe, is uh, the official number now, of audiobooks on their website among which are many horror classics. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: and so... I got an award from them.
0: Did you really? For putting
3: more of their children through college than anyone else because I've downloaded so many books.
0: That's... <laughs> that's not real. I made that up. Oh, and I feel I'm... like I should. Um, so I don't know about Ryan and Ken. Do you guys have any horror books or audio books that you've ever listened to that you would uh, recommend so i don't because i know matt will I'm i generally answer,
1: i generally don't care i don't want to say don't care i've never really enjoyed the feeling of being scared i don't really care for the haunted houses, things like that so mm-hmm. they're not things that i that i lean towards but knowing that we were going to discuss this i talked to some people who out who did to say hey if i want to get into this what would you recommend what are some things you'd recommend and uh there were there were some answers that I got that were really interesting. Uh, Neil Gaiman has a uh, story called "The Graveyard" mm-hmm. that was recommended to me, um, and then they of course they said you know H.P. Uh, Lovecraft if you're willing to work through some wording. Yeah. is is one of the names to know if you're going to do anything in horror through
0: audiobooks or whatever so i'm currently in the middle of the uh they they have something on audible called the necronomicon which oh, is kind yeah. of his collected works mm-hmm. uh, definitely recommended it. yeah it's it's kind of required reading if you care at all about american literature of the 20th century
3: mm-hmm. so yep i would agree um,
0: i'm trying to think
1: uh, have you, is there one that you've heard that you might that was really good cuz i'm trying to remember there was one that was given to me that was are, are you talking about Lovecraft?
0: Yeah, uh, my favorite Lovecraft would be uh, The Call of Cthulhu is a classic. Um, Matt, I think that was on yeah, your list on that you list. sent to me. Uh, but Shadow I, over Innsmith. I also is I really like. what is Shadow of
3: Shadow over Innsmith. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a great short story.
0: I also mm-hmm. love um, At the Mountains of Madness, mm-hmm. a really slow burn mm-hmm. of a of a mm-hmm. scary story. Mm-hmm.
3: So That that's was a, good a one. great story. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, other books you want to recommend?
3: Well, I'm a little nervous bringing up books with you guys, since you're the the literature aficionados. Yeah,
0: we're very, very sophisticated. Fear us. Tremble. (laughs) Kneel before Zod.
3: Well, actually, um, as a kid, I was always a little um, embarrassed that I really liked reading Stephen King. But now, as I've gotten older, I've realized that a lot of Stephen King stuff is pretty good. Some of it's maybe not. Um, Maybe maybe not. But, you know, a lot of universities actually use his on writing have you are you familiar with that text it's a reasonable introduction to being a writer and what it takes and how to how to do that um on my list though of stephen king uh the shining um it's it's a great book it's a, it's a different kind of movie and so you know what are there a couple different versions there was the made for tv version and of course there's the you know the kubrick version um the good one I love the Kubrick right. version. The book is great. I if you're if it has a psychological aspect to it, so I think maybe I've always if, liked that.
0: If you've seen the movie and you love the movie, is the book ruined? Are you going to care? No, be,
3: no, you'll you'll. It, there there are enough differences that I think you'd really the the actually the TV series is a little more true to the book. Yeah, although not as well done.
0: Ken, do you have any uh, scary stories or books that you enjoy?
2: I actually am a sissy.
0: <laughs> All right, good enough. There you go. When it, when
2: it, when it comes to I don't even am I talking in the mic here? Yes. Okay. My my headphones are weird, I think. But anyway, I'm, when it comes to scary stories, I'm kind of a wuss because I had uh experiences with scary stories when I was little, you know. Uh-huh. Like, uh, one of those, you know, I I can't even remember what I was reading and you know, and I had uh the the babysitter who would tell us scary stories nice. and you know and that and we'd be like and then she would go home <laughs> and that leave my little brother and me there to yeah. be like mm,
0: totally traumatized. The guy with yeah.
2: the hook is outside the window, you know, yeah. and and uh, those stories. And so I I honestly have never really gravitated back to horror stories. I And uh, I try to stay away from from horror movies, mostly now, because I just I don't think they're as good as those stories were when I was a kid. Now they're just kind of. But anyway, so
0: this is good because um, I, I think the three of us are kind of in the same boat, maybe to differing degrees, but we're not really horror people. Yeah, uh, We don't live in that world, but that doesn't mean that there's no value there. right? And, right. and maybe it's something it's kind of like with me and comic books uh, yeah. a year or two ago. I'd never read a comic book in my life now. Okay, you have my I'm, collection on your shelf. That's right. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a, nice. quite a collection going on now. Well and, so I've read a bunch. I'm not going to say that I'm a comic book guy. I don't love them. I don't look forward to the next release, but I can read them now. I can enjoy them. I can see the value in them. Hopefully we can, you know, in the next 45 minutes do that with horror. Right? I think, I mean,
1: you're right. We're all on a very similar page with it. For me, part of the reason why I haven't approached horror with any more zeal or gusto is the fact that Especially with what is done now, I don't want to sift through the stuff that I don't want to read to find the good stuff there. And sometimes it's difficult to find it. So if I had a little more guided approach through horror, like read these five books, watch these three movies, this is what this is what is considered good horror. I don't have to go through and watch Saw One through Five. I don't have to go through and read things that I don't want to go through. Um, just to try and get an idea for what the genre is.
3: Sure, I w- I would say that one of the things to keep in mind is that there we we're, we're using the term horror a lot, but you know, really, there are a lot of different types of scary stories. And I think, kind of like comic books, you kind of just have to find your jam. You know what I mean? So um, the Saw movies have never appealed to me either. And I think one of the problems with that whole genre in movies is that most people, when they think of scary story or scary movies nowadays, they think of that kind of the slasher type film. They were so, you know, starting with Friday the 13th, late 70s, and and um, Halloween and those movies. Um, really, Halloween isn't much of a, the original much of a slasher film. It's more of a suspense sort of thing. But um, in literature, I think you have some that do capitalize on the gore kind of horror aspect. But a lot of them, especially things, even though maybe H.P. Love, Lovecraft is famous for um, just creating wonderful monsters, really. But other than that, it, there's a lot of suspense and and that type of. It, for example, if you read Salem's Lot by Stephen King, you don't get to the vampires for a long time. It's just a great buildup. Um, and those sorts of stories might appeal to somebody who likes a fantasy element more than just you know something that capitalizes on gore.
2: That's one that I actually saw and read when I was, you know, like younger. Salem's than 10. Lot. Salem's Lot, and it, it freaked me out. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the film isn't bad, really. The film's actually pretty good, but I think the book. Um, it's one that I haven't read a Stephen King book in a really long time, uh, but last year I reread Salem's Lot, and I, I enjoyed it again. It's just a great, it's a great book.
0: Well, let's let's talk a little bit then about reading. Scary stories versus watching them or listening to right. them, uh, what sort of differences can somebody expect uh, can you can you take more of that genre? Are there slasher books you know and are they easier yeah. to read than they are to watch? <laughs>
3: I would say they 're definitely the Um, I think around our house, we kind of call a lot of those books, um, you know, potato chip novels. You know, there are a lot of, you know, detective books or thrillers they are just, they're just kind of, you buy them at the airport, you throw them away when you get where you're going. You know, they're just not that, I mean, recycle. Um, You, (laughs) you, uh, they're, they're not literature per se, but they're fun entertainment. But then there, there are some books that make you work for it. Um, one of the points I hope to make tonight is that um, while it's just a very, I think Todd's question is perfect not to keep picking on Todd. I hope we can be friends. Todd. Um, is that uh, he's, he's lying, Todd. He's lying. Oh, I was very genuine. Um, not really. I'm lying. Um, <laughs> Todd, call me. Um, <laughs> the, the, the difference is, is just the experience. So, with a book what's great I think about reading a scary story with a book is you do it you can do it by yourself. You do it by yourself typically. Although th- at my house my kids are young enough we have to read together. But typically if you're reading let's say you sat down to read Salem's Lot, you know you can wait till everybody's in bed and you can sit in your comfortable chair. You can have your very own personal experience with it, which capitalizes on some of your own deep-seated fears and insecurities. And because you are in a safe place, so the brain can kind of split here. And what the brain will do is it'll ground itself and say, I know I'm in my own house, and I'm in my own chair, I'm safe, I really know that. Now I can let go and let the kind of scary aspects take over, and so your brain kind of does this dual processing sort of thing where it allows you to get into it in a very personal way, which can be a very scary experience, and it's interesting to me when I talk to people who don't read, and I say things like that, they're like, yeah, but TV's better, you know, and and I say, no, you know, TV's wonderful, but TV or movies, those are group experiences. And they're telling you what to see, telling you – the music tells you when to jump. Mm-hmm. It's way fun, but it's different. It's a much more – I think you can be much more scared by listening to a story or reading a story than you do when when you're watching a movie, so if that there, makes sense.
2: That, I, I was going to ask you um, – just a moment. I think I think you uh, flipped my entire perspective on that because I, I was thinking horror movies or horror stories. It seems like are, are it's a very social. Uh, it's it's a very social thing in, in the sense that, especially in a story form, where if you have a storyteller and you're there and you got the campfire and mm-hmm. and the storyteller is really good, then you're with people who are into it and you're jumping in, and, and it felt very social. But now all of a sudden, I'm thinking if you're alone right am, am i wrong if you're alone then all of a sudden it, it, you let your mind wander a little bit you oh, let your imagination definitely. run and now you you can scare yourself a lot more oh, if yeah. you're by yourself mm-hmm. i think that's uh, well i think that's uh, pretty true any any form of
1: storytelling there's a level of that suspension of disbelief you have to uh, administer through whatever medium you're deciding doesn't matter what a you know literature or theater whatever it is there's a suspension of disbelief and Especially with something like this what, that's trying to evoke certain responses out of you, even if you are with a group of people, you can, if you can get yourself in that mindset of alone. Yeah, I'm with a hundred other people in this room hearing this story right now, but we're talking about a force, and in my head, I'm in there alone.
3: Right. right. I yeah, think yeah.
1: that that can have a major difference and uh, effect.
3: Yeah, it's kind of a what I was saying earlier—the radio effect. You know, you're listening to it, but you're creating your own reality. Yeah. Yeah. By then. The other
2: question I wondered about that is is does do, is horror a, a very something that you need the imagination for? Meaning, I I don't think scary movies horror horror movies don't seem as effective to me as as maybe horror stories, reading the story or having mm-hmm. a storyteller that sort of thing.
0: Are you saying that horror movies don't scare you?
2: I'm not saying they don't scare me, and mostly because I don't watch them because I'm a wuss. <laughs> But right. You
3: have to leave
0: and it, come back after you've watched
3: no, it. Okay.
2: But it, it, it seems like like we were talking about earlier where you've got the music track and you've got kind of the format and you know when to jump and you, you're being directed, you're being led by the nose. Whereas in a story where you have to actually visualize the the imagery, is that something that is more effective in horror?
3: Um, it's, you know, it definitely can be, I would say if we use the term scary stories, like something that's really going to scare you, I'd say yes, for sure. Some people really associate horror with the visual medium of the movie that has a lot of slasher blood and, you know, you kind of, you know. You don't turn around and look in the whole room, what kind of moron does that, but the, right. you know, you're know you going to get slashed. Um, you just kind of walk in and look one way. Oh, they were behind me. Um, and uh, there, that's a whole different experience. I think you, the fear, fear can be more effectively administered maybe in your terms through the I- inclusion of your own imagination, your own visualization, and psychologically bringing up the things that are scary to you. For example, um true to maybe the last time I was on the podcast, I, I happened to stop by Black Cat Comics today. I was hanging out with my buddy Greg. Um needed a little therapy break for myself, and that's usually where I go. And so Greg and I were talking, and he was watching some slasher film, I don't remember what it was. That's usually hit I mean that's all year long for him. Um but we were talking and he brought up, I wrote it down because it wasn't a movie I was familiar with, and I'm guessing you guys won't either, based on what you just said. Um, it was called "The Eyes of Laura Mars." Is anybody Never familiar ever, with that? Nineteen nope. seventy-eight.
2: The name's familiar.
3: Anyway, so you know, we don't need to go into it. But he was saying how um, he watched that again just the other night and hadn't seen it since he was a kid, kind of like your experience. And he was saying that it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't that scary, but it was something about these the eyes. She was an artist and painting eyes, and and any time there's a a film, a, a scary movie where they just show the the killer's eyes, it still freaks him out. And he, and he we were talking about how oftentimes those childhood fears kind of get stuck in certain associations. And so, for example, if you were reading a scary story, you get to bring in to that scary story whatever your own personal fears and demons and things are, and that's what makes it more personal than just what... Stanley Kubrick can put on the on the screen. It's just a different kind of experience, but more personal, more personal fear based I guess
1: so i my question then I guess would be for some you know for someone new to this area, how do you determine a successful piece, a successful, scary story? what should I when I come out of it and I look back at the experience, how do I know that that was good like that actually was really good like,
3: that it was good for for you. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would say probably a sense of satisfaction overall at the end would, would indicate that.
0: Be kind of the same way you think of any other story? Uh, uh, perhaps. You, you, you are happy you read it, I guess. Yeah, yeah
3: you're happy you read it. Um, I would say it's, it's scary stories maybe in something that would be a little different than other great uh, stories would be it takes you on more of a roller coaster. So one of the things, if you look at the research, because um, psychologists like to research everything to keep ourselves relevant, and uh, one of the things is, you know, why do we like to be afraid? Why are horror movies and scary movies so popular and make so much money and and uh, you know, Stephen King and these guys can can write scary stories and they, they just sell like crazy? Partly, it starts, one, one factor is always the adrenaline rush. So there's something about kind of that fight or flight that's triggered. We have a natural, inborn, kind of hardwired tendency to to our brain to keep us safe. And uh, that may have been more, you know, daily a daily need for a primitive man, but nowadays it gets kind of mixed up in all these social safety situations. But when we read a scary story, let's say a more traditional horror type, you know, there's a, a killer or some a monster, Now that triggers some of that primitive brain stuff, and the fight-or-flight system kind of starts getting jonesed up in your body, which means adrenaline starts getting ready to course through your veins, and you kind of get that tension, that that sense that I need to run away or, or fight. And that tension is actually fairly pleasurable because of that dual processing that your brain's doing. You're not actually in a scary situation. There isn't a real killer, probably, uh, waiting, you know, outside your <laughs> Thank, window. Thanks for that. Yeah, <laughs> Except yeah. for the one behind Craig. Well, Craig does have his back to the window. Um, and, uh, you know, so your brain dual processes and, and it says, you're really okay. So you can allow this fantasy to play out in a bigger way than if you were actually, you know, outside by yourself. <laughs> and so so that's a fun part of it. You get that ad- adrenaline feels good. People like you kind of get that that tension. Uh, then at some point there's resolution. There's the relief that comes, and that that coming down feels like satisfaction. In the process, maybe for a lot of people, the tendency to resolve and overcome their own fears and demons. I think that's a huge part of it, is we get to live vicariously through the story. And we probably do that with all great stories, right? We live vicariously, you get to be the hero or... Or, or you know, you know the wise old man, whoever you like to be in, in, in the particular book you're reading, and and who you're identifying with, maybe based on your own needs at the time. But um, I think uh, we have those fears that because we don't live in a situation where they're tested very often in our modern society, this is a vicarious way of doing that. It's very satisfying to feel like we, you know, we got away from Jason, or the vampires were, you know, you know, sent back, or whatever it happens to be.
0: Well, so this brings up uh, what was going to be my next question, which is what do we get out of this? Because I know we, as the Legendarian Podcast, we talk all the time about fantasy stories and, and what we can learn from them and how they enrich our lives. What does that uh, mean? So you've, you've already ventured a little bit into that. Are, are there any other things that, that these stories can do for us? Uh you know, beyond that kind of uh, <laughs> getting in touch with your caveman,
3: yeah, that's not a bad thing to do. Um, I, I think a similar, in a similar vein, is um, uh, c- kind of revisiting a more vulnerable time, and then and then becoming empowered through conquering it. So um, you know, for example, I think another thing that's come out of a lot of the research is this idea of nostalgia and familiarity. Um, uh, with things that were scary to us when we were children, kind of reminding ourselves through the process of seeing the story through that now we're grown up and we're big and strong and empowered and it feels good that there's resolution at the end. I mean, there will be a second book, but for now we're okay, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And um, I would say, so it's empowering. It, it is certainly empowering in the sense that for some people who maybe are, uh, you were kind of referring to yourself, I don't want to use, you said you were a, a wimp. Yeah. Or a, 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 wuss. Wuss. a wuss. A wuss. wuss, yeah. Yes.
1: Open up the thesaurus. Yeah. Any word in there will work. I didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to offend.
3: Um, but there's a place for wusses and wimps uh, in their- Goosebumps. In goosebumps, be- in goosebumps. goosebumps right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, my kids the other day, my nine-year-old turned on an old Goosebumps story, the Monster Blood one. Uh, yeah. yeah. I and had Monster Blood. My older blood. kids were like, why are we watching this? Um, but, but, um, but I mean, even in the scary stories, like if you can- Get your brain to kind of ground itself and dual process, then you can vicariously conquer that fear. So becoming less wussy, maybe. <laughs> well,
2: I, I found going back and revisiting things that made you scared also kind of helps that because seeing Poltergeist when I was eight was. That explains
0: scary. so much about you, Ken. Well, you know. <laughs> nothing Some, nothing can explain anything about Ken.
2: Some of us were born when Poltergeist came out,
0: the original Poltergeist. I had a long
3: conversation with Greg about Poltergeist today, so we're, we're on the same page. But, yeah, when when <laughs> when you're
2: young, I mean, it's scary when the priest comes to the door and you're like, oh, oh, yeah. oh my right. goodness. And then seeing it again, I saw it again 10 years ago or something, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. watching it and just going, yeah, that's not scary well, anymore. And at but eight, when we were one. Is that a wa- thing? Yeah. I mean, where you can say, oh, well, hey, look how much I've grown. Look how I've refined.
3: Yeah, actually, it is a reminder of that because in one way, if you look at the neuroscience of it, children have a harder time uh, determining the difference between fantasy and reality. They actually do a better job of it than we give them credit. But kids live in a fantasy play-based world a lot more than adults do. Uh, and Something so, else. Uh, yeah, depends.
0: Yeah, you're talking uh, to a couple of <laughs> actors in here. These guys are nuts.
3: And uh, so it's it's um, it is a reminder of kind of being older and empowered. So you kind of go back. There's a nostalgia factor. Like I love going back and watching Poltergeist or you know Friday the Thirteenth. Some of these movies that I probably shouldn't have been watching when I was eight. But on, um, we're yeah, we're definitely yeah you know Well, grandparents had HBO. And uh, so you, sweet, <laughs> I know, right? Um, so, but there's a nostalgia factor. It's kind like oh that was fun to be scared right. because even at that age your brain was grounded enough to know that you're going to be okay. Now I will say though, now all the people out there listening who think that was a license to, you know, get all the great horror classics of the '80s and show their their six year olds, um, I didn't say that. <laughs> um, uh, and you do have to kind of know yourself and your your kids. By the time people are grown ups. They should be able to dual process and say, you know, logically, I'm okay. Let's just have fun with this. But some kids do have a harder time separating.
0: What about adults who can't or who maybe won't? Uh, because, yeah, I mean, there are there are things that are beyond the pale as far as violence. You, you, Ryan, you mentioned Saw, but even some of the other stuff, some of the ghost stories that have been coming out lately. Yeah, uh, my wife and I don't really watch them. I, I have a much higher tolerance than she does, but. But she either can't or won't, I don't know which, or just, won't because she can't yeah. separate the two. And, so, you know, she really gets affected by these things. Mm-hmm. So what do you say to an adult who didn't grow up on these things and, and yeah. maybe, like us, kind of wants to see the value in that instead of just dismissing it?
3: So partly it would be interesting um, to talk to your wife or somebody else who has that experience. I've found that a lot of times they they're not seeing the story through. And so, um, you start off with a lot, you know, usually there's a, you know, character development, then there's a tension that's created. Um, you start that fight or flight and you kind of get that intensity of, of the adrenaline and then they drop out. They're like, that is too much. I'm out of here. And so if they do that a few times, really in a way they're kind of traumatizing themselves. Mm-hmm. They're exposing themselves to something that's just kind of full of tension and fear. And then it's never resolved except for to run away. So if you look at um, the hallmark behavior of any sort of anxiety disorder, it's avoidance. We, We feel the fear of something and then we avoid. The problem with that is it actually works temporarily because as soon as you avoid something, you feel a relief. And your brain goes, that felt pretty sweet. I'm going to do that again. And then your brain also says, and what we're avoiding must actually be scary because I feel so much better when I'm away from it. So I'm going to vilify it. And so you can create phobias that that's how phobias are basically created in most people. Um, So somebody who like is is kind of saying, yeah, I'd kind of like to be able to enjoy a good, you know, scary story. So you might need to pre-select one that has a really good resolution at the end and then help them through it so that they feel that whole roller coaster ride and the satisfaction that comes from the relief of conquering the demon and feeling secure and everything's right with the world at the end, that would be a great place. But I think a lot of times people just drop out early and they've done that a few times and then they make the assumption, I don't like horror, horror stories.
2: So what you're saying That's... is I need to go and rent the entire Saw series and watch it. In <laughs> no, night. okay. I would, um,
3: <laughs> Saw, the first Saw movie wasn't that bad. And the rest of them were just kind of capitalizing on the gore and they just got more gory and ridiculous like most series do but just like the first halloween has, has, have you guys seen the first halloween oh no. yeah oh geez. okay <laughs>
2: but again that's when I, I saw when i was a little kid and i went back and saw it again yeah. and i went Ugh.
3: yeah because but, the first the first one there's very little actual violence in it it's just the suspense
0: let me let me bring a few other movies up then because you're talking about um what you called in your notes the euphoria of relief yeah um which is uh how people can process this scary stuff and be okay with it they watch this a few times and and get that euphoria of relief but then what do you say about um stories or uh, in this case i'll say movies now which avoid that so I'm thinking of. I watched the Blair Witch Project uh, mm-hmm. a few months ago. I actually really enjoyed that one, but you get to the end of it and everybody dies. I mean, we assume everybody dies. The that other one, ed, that one ends great. I really, by the way. I like. I said I really liked yes. it. I thought it was great. Yeah. But uh, the other one would be uh, Paranormal Activity. Yeah, this is another franchise that I've, came only, out of I've nowhere. only seen the first one. Okay, but yep. you've seen the first one, and that's the one I'm thinking of. And you get to the end of the movie and. Everybody dies or yeah. is possessed, and the movie ends. And the movie ends, right? Uh, so this, there is no relief in some of these movies. Uh, yeah, and and is that why maybe? And that may be a little people different. People are traumatizing themselves.
3: Uh, it could be, uh, if somebody's really counting on that. <laughs> um, I would say that's maybe one of the differences between the mediums of of film and and literature. Um, because you do get a relief by the lights come on and everybody That's a good is point. together and you walk out and you are kind of having fun with it. Um, You know, I love the end of Blair Witch Project, even though that movie was, you know, uh, what do we, they just, there were so many spoofs. It was spoofed so much afterwards, but the first time, so can I tell a quick story? Yeah. So middle of graduate school. We hate stories here. Do you hate stories. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Sorry, guys. Um, it's not, it's not a fantasy story. It's <laughs> um, middle of graduate school I it mean, really fast out in Kansas my wife from California every once in a while would be like I'm out of here so she she went on a little week trip and you know I was working all the time in graduate school and I decided to treat myself and I thought you know I haven't done anything fun for a while so I'm getting on my you know coming home back when you remember their video stores where you rented Blockbuster yes yeah that's where I got and, most of my DVDs and, movie buffs yes yeah um and I I picked up the Blair Witch Project. Everyone had seen it but me because I had been in graduate school and everyone's like I can't believe you haven't seen that movie. And it was kind of groundbreaking shaky cam and all that, you know. Um and uh so I took it I took it home and got the pizza and it's probably like didn't start until one AM and um sitting there in my little apartment watching Blair Witch Project, and I started getting kind of freaked out, and I'm like, okay, this I'm being a wimp. I'll just watch it the rest of it tomorrow. So turn it off. Started you know, went to bed. It lay there for about five or ten minutes. And I thought, I've got to finish this. I cannot be that big of a wimp. <laughs> so I went back in there and and uh, just scared the crap out of me. And I loved how it ended because it left me in that unsettled place. But that may be because I grew up. Liking those sorts of things. People who like a little bit of an adrenaline rush might enjoy the ending of that sort of a film more than one that really comes to great resolution. The film franchises often don't come to a great resolution or, you know, um, you know, Jason jumps out at the end uh, or something like that uh, to show you that there's going to be another film, and that's kind of a, a business ploy right to get people ready for next year when the other film comes out um but uh in in books i think you often do come to some sort of resolution in the literature and so you can kind of close a book and you feel great but i think the effort to keep people scared and do something new sometimes that is there's a deviation there but I, i did love blair witch project because the end is so creepy and and uh somebody who doesn't enjoy being Creeped out, may not enjoy.
0: Ryan and book. Ken, have you seen that one? Yeah, I haven't seen that oh, one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Spoiler sure. alert!
3: I fifteen so, years later, the
1: boat sinks. <laughs> Let me ask you, because <laughs> for me, dang, it, for me, I was always raised uh, my family instilled this idea of looking for the psychological thriller idea. Like and they, those are fantastic. Yeah. That those are worthwhile, and to that the classic. The watcher stuff in is, the woods. Yes, um, but how has the genre? Changed or are there elements that have carried over? Because I, I still go back and watch um, the Edgar Allan Poe stories done by Vincent Price. Those are great, yeah. And like those the pit are and the still, oh, yeah. Pit in the Pendulum is great. Yeah. That's the first scary story that I remember processing what was going on well enough mm-hmm. to be terrified.
3: Yeah, no, I th- I think it, like everything you know, there's an ebb and a flow. I think that things come around. I see a lot more suspense in in books and literature now. Then we had kind of 80s and 90s, there was in film, especially a lot of slasher horror out there. Just the the fact that something like paranormal activity is so popular, uh, capitalized it's becoming a little bit more slasher ish if I if caught the trailers correctly. But, um, but still, there's that something unseen, uh, is it going to get me? And that's what triggers that in your own internal stuff. So, everybody in the theater. Could have a slightly different experience if they're not showing too much. It's the jaws effect, right? The shark didn't work, so uh, we got to not show it too much. Um, same thing with Watcher in the Woods, by the way. Did you know there's an alternative ending to that where you see yes. the watcher and you're like, "What? That's dumb," <laughs> yeah. you know? But if you don't see it, then you get to scare yourself. Yeah. And books can do that way more than you know a, a movie.
0: Yeah, I I'm I know I'm in. A severe minority here and so i apologize to everybody who thinks less of me now but i really liked signs that m night show and and i i recognize that the scary factor really goes away when the monster shows up isn't that a disappointing Uh, like like, he shouldn't have shown the monster well i mean in a way yes he does take away the kind of that scary Mm -hmm. effect but i i think that there are some other points that the film tries to make that that are more effective. That the way. one point but where anyway. he does
2: show the monster that really works is when it walks by you know, the video coverage and it walks by yes. and then it walks off the screen and you're left going.
3: Yeah. So there's just <laughs> enough no, no. of it to tantalize. The and, Cloverfield yeah. effect.
0: Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, that, was that, that
3: film is effective in a lot of ways for that very reason. Uh,
0: anyway, um, let me ask you a question. I'm really veering off here okay. into a different, uh, different topic. We wander, it's not about your mom, is it? It's, I mean, it's all about, it's all about my mom. Talk about scary. I mean, <laughs> sorry, Mrs. Hanks. <laughs> you don't even know her. Uh, uh, what was that? Oh, okay. Yeah, we wander around um, Comic-Con, Fantasy-Con, Con con all these cons, uh, and they are about comic books, uh, science fiction, fantasy, uh, and except for in Salt horror. Lake where they're not about
3: comic books at all. But go ahead.
0: Well, yes. yeah, we won't get into <laughs> that. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> point point being, now. sci-fi, fantasy, mm-hmm. horror mm-hmm. often get lumped in together. Sure. Uh, why is that? I, I feel like I can see the I can see a very strong connection between sci-fi and fantasy and what they do, what they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't necessarily see the horror connection. Now, you already mentioned kind of that uh, conquering your demons and, and having that kind of fantasizing about that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I- is that the connection or is there something else to that?
3: Um, That's a good question. I guess in a, a cynical answer would be it's more of a business decision. People... Who don't understand and they're lumping things together that they think people will they could package and buy, mm-hmm. and that may be one reason in those settings you see that together a lot.
0: We're also never cynical here, so no, okay, that's right.
3: <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'll I'll explain what that is later. But um, <laughs> uh, so I, I would say people who are who are aficionados consumers of these uh, mediums would would definitely make a distinction. There isn't boy, I don't want to go on too much of a limb. I I'm not familiar with a a lot of really good crossover between, I mean, there are scary elements to something like aliens, for example. Love it. You know, right. Love it. Um, But I don't know that we would consider that a horror film just because it has scary elements to it.
2: Have you never seen Jason X?
3: Oh no, I've seen Jason X. That may be, that was actually the one example I was thinking. I I think there's something, the
0: uh, example, the four of us, um, uh, the Panelists were talking earlier on Facebook, and I brought up Pan's Labyrinth as oh, yeah, maybe right. a possible crossover.
3: Yeah. A fantasy horror crossover. Yeah. And so you have somebody like um, uh, Del Toro who uh, is so well-versed in mythology and horror that he can pull off a story like that that visually kind of takes you both places. Yeah. And by the way, you should be reading... Your Hellboy if you're not really a comic book guy yet. <laughs> so that would be the place to go for you.
0: Yeah, that's your favorite, isn't it?
3: It is, but I think that's, you know, if you like mythology and you want to have a superhero-type element to it, um, boy, that's a great, like, uh, some people who are out there, most people are familiar with the films, the Hellboy films, yeah. which are fun and good, and Del Toro did a great job with those. Um, but But the books are different, much more mythology, much more literature, really. So, yeah, it's good mm-hmm.
0: stuff. All right, um, guys. Uh, first scary story experience. Do you remember yours?
1: I can tell you the one that was most impactful on me. Uh, I, yeah. I have
0: two stories that I re-
1: that I remember reading as a kid that still to this day mess with me. Um, first thing I want to bring up is the scary stories to tell in the dark series. No, yeah. You remember those? Yeah, I don't. Black no. books with a red round. The if nothing else the illustrations on it alone are worth taking the time. Awesome! To. Like you should absolutely look it up because say, they say again. scary stories to tell in the dark to tell in the dark. That's okay. the, what the series is called. Okay. They have, they're all short stories none of them are more than I think like 15, 20 pages. Tops. Are they,
0: are they written for kids?
1: Yes. Ish. As much as I can say that the genre, that it, that it's
0: a younger audience.
1: Yeah. Maybe. I read it. They're in like the school libraries. Okay. So, um, but there's a story. I, there's a ton of stories. There's like five of these books. But there was one about a, a person who uh, woke up one day and they had a bump on their cheek, and the bump kept growing every day, and they couldn't figure out what it was. It's
0: not a tumor, and <laughs>
1: you don't really think too much about it. But there's a bump that's growing on their face, and then all of a sudden I one day it is. explodes and spiders. Yes, oh, everywhere. I knew it. No. I knew
0: it. no, no, no.
1: So now, I, if I have anything growing on me, like there's always a thought for at least a half second where I look at that and go, is that a spider nest? <laughs> like, it, it messes with me. Uh, yeah. But I recommend, especially for younger readers, the scary stories to tell in the dark series is they're all short, they're quick reads, they're a little bit creepy, but they're not too over the top, and they're not, you know, they weren't too dark or anything. The other one that's a good read, and it might be harder to find because I think it's a more obscure one, there's a book series called The House on Cherry Street. It's a three-book series about a family that moves into a house. The house is haunted by a little, down. Uh, the, the house is haunted by a little kid and this shadowy figure. And the two kids that have moved into the house have to kind of figure out what's going on. It's a three-part series. Let's just say, in the end, everything goes really, really bad, but they resolve it. And I remember reading it and thinking this is a great series. But for some reason, horror never stuck. Like the that genre didn't mm-hmm. stick with me later on in life. But those two stories, I. To this day, I remember them very well.
3: I think a lot of stories that get us when we're young do capitalize on some uh, maybe our obviously our own personal fears, which we've mentioned, but just phobias in general. So you brought up the spiders. A lot of really great scary stories capitalize on things that are common phobic experiences for people. So uh, you don't necessarily have to have arachnophobia to know what it feels like to be creeped out. By spiders, right?
0: Uh, Tolkien called spiders the great, uh, I can't remember the word he used, the great fear of northern culture, of, of all Germanic peoples. It's spiders. spiders. cool. Because we don't, we don't have as many as they do down in the tropics, I suppose. Yeah, that's a They're good point. They're not certainly yeah. as
2: big and hairy and
0: scary. Yeah. Um, uh, Ken? I, I don't
2: actually recall reading many uh, horror books as a kid. However, I remember the... Uh, hearing the ghost again, my my babysitter when I was in like third grade, who would always tell us she's messed up ghost man. stories. Oh, she screwed you she's up. She's probably is she in prison now. I haven't seen her for thirty years. <laughs> no, she's but, probably yeah.
3: provided a lot of child psychologists with yeah, a lot of work. She, That's she, good. She
2: probably has. I don't know, but she fortunately I didn't have to go through much therapy. <laughs> That's good. That's but uh, good. So at least I, until I remember, you got on this podcast. Yeah. yeah, there you go. This podcast is therapy. But <laughs> I uh, the the story you know the the uh, hook with a or the the. The straggler, the the guy out in the with a hook for the hand, and you drive the car. And over yeah, the hand, the, right. Oh, in the back the, seat. Yeah, they flash out. the
3: lights. Is that the one? It's
2: the one where where uh, you're stopped in the dark in the woods and making out. You know, you hear the scratching and all of that. And
0: right, you, yeah. But for me, then then it, you, then it was followed by a knock and sheriff's office. Oh right. crap!
2: So <laughs> this is this is the one where you get home and you get out of the car and there's a hook. Oh, on the, door. on the door, right? Yeah, yeah. there's so, that one. Yeah, yeah you, you, you pulled those the hook are great. Off the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, those that are one. great campfire stories. So and and I remember, I remember the um, Twilight Zone.
3: Twilight Zones are wow, great. We've yeah. gone this
2: whole episode without talking about Twilight Zone. That was all of my suspense and thriller and, and horror Wonderful, yeah. experience. Well, it was the majority of it when I was a kid. I, Twilight Zone was it.
0: When I was when I was a kid, I remember growing up watching uh, Tales from the Crypt. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was a great show. What were your parents thinking, man? I don't know. Uh <laughs> But they I, were probably I, doing
3: something with my parents because we watched that too.
0: I also remember being about six or seven years old and watching Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> and Ernest was not the only one Yeah, that the, scared the BGBs out of me. Okay. I'll tell you what. Ernest uh, and the Crypt Keeper. Did, did, you, you, did you guys dumbest. see Ernest Scared Stupid? No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I
1: did later in life. But the They're, thing is like all the, these things that you're talking about, my parents were very strict about not allowing us to watch yeah. those things. And I think that has translated later on that I'm like that. Like, when I hear the Twilight Zone theme and I see just that much, like, I get scared just listening to it because Deary. that, to me, like, I was told, that's scary stuff. You don't want to watch it. And now, in my mind, it automatically processes. It doesn't matter what the
0: episode is. I hear that theme, I'm scared. Awesome. See, this is, yeah, this is why I'm having my two year old, I'm going to have him watch Game of Thrones with me. Good idea. Just desensitize him now. Uh no, I am not. I'm not. Mom, <laughs> yeah. please don't call me. <laughs> about that. You can call me about other stuff. Uh anyway, uh did you did you have a a single story, Matt, that uh that you kind of look back on as your first or your most uh um impression
3: making I- impression making. Um as a kid, I would say I I do remember uh getting out a big book on the shelf and reading a bunch of Various Edgar Allan Poe uh, short stories and um, you know poetry, and I liked the creepy factor of that. So I will say that uh, just the poem "The Raven," you know, was I love was the Raven. A, a very made a big impression on me. I wouldn't say it scared me as much as it tantalized kind of that feeling of oh that is really fun to go to that place, you know, that kind of scary uh, place um I will say one of the times that I remember being scared really truly scared at a very pretty young age was um watching John Carpenter's The Thing and and only I was joking earlier about my grandparents watching HBO but I literally it was you know woke up in the middle of the night I knew what I was doing you know snuck downstairs I was staying with grandparents Turned the HBO on with my cousin Philip and we're watching we're watching the thing, you know, and the hoping, dog. Hoping for boobies, let's be honest. <laughs> well, yeah. Actually, I think I was so young, I was probably just hoping for like, I don't know what I was into. Um, <laughs> that would have been okay. Um, but, uh, you know, that's probably why you watch Game of Thrones. But, um, <laughs> but uh, when the dog's mouth comes open, that is an image kind of like Greg was telling me earlier, the eyes in that movie he watched. When the dog's mouth comes open and the alien comes out, literally my cousin Philip and I don't care this is true he lives in Germany now so he may not hear this but you know this is the world wide web uh, he peed his pants he peed his pants <laughs> and I was so scared that we wanted to turn off the film but we just watched the whole thing of course and then we left it on because no and fell asleep afterwards and his grandpa came downstairs in the morning he's like what are you guys doing um, but um, yeah there, there are different things like that I, I do remember having um, um, I think it was an Uncle Reed Sleepy Hollow, and in the the original Washington Irving is a little bit like trying to get through H.P. Lovecraft with the language is a little bit, you know, uh, dense. Yeah, but uh, that was fun. I remember. I remember. Uh, and for me, these things were fun. I know for some people they weren't. I loved that kind of feeling of being scared, the adrenaline rush, feeling very grounded in reality. There's some theories out there that people that don't enjoy this are people who have maybe a very rich imagination and, and fully do let go of that dual processing. So they may be more imaginative and creative people uh, who don't like the scary genre just because they get so into it. And that, that's a possibility.
1: So, yeah, that was another question that self, I had. Don't Google things that he's talking
0: about because that's creepy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: right? You're scared now, right? I was nine.
0: So... <laughs> If I'm hearing you correctly, because like I said, this is another one of the no, questions I that I have. No, I was seven. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. we because we focus so heavily here on fantasy. Often, a a vivid and active imagination is a really powerful aid. Sure. Are you saying that that could be a detriment if you are well uh, reading a scary story? It, if you,
3: yes, but that wouldn't be too common. But I, I do think it can happen to a person who this would be more common in children and maybe really young adolescents where they they really still struggle determining the difference between fantasy and reality. They're very disturbed by something they can't let it go, whether it's, um, you know, it's cute to see a kid get really into fantasy play, right? And and to the point where they can't quite break out of it. Um, back to my cousin Philip, he was the best uh, mountain lion you've ever met. And I remember his dad actually, like, yelling and throwing things at him trying to make him stop being a mountain lion <laughs> because the kid couldn't stop he is a professional opera singer to this day like he's, he's a he's a he's an actor and, a, and an opera singer as so he no he made it work for him he mostly um, yowls on stage, but though. he was the type who who i even as a kid i was kind of like dude you got to stop um so somebody who maybe has a hard time uh still as an adult with that boundary of fantasy and reality, that may be a detriment to them. Most adults can realize, and I call it dual processing, or another term is grounding, their brain can stay grounded to a small degree. It's kind of like you're tethered in reality and your brain doesn't let that go. But therefore, it allows you to really enjoy the fantasy, which we don't do as adults most of the time. Mm-hmm. We live in a very you know, concrete in-the-moment world, and so we don't get that escape. That's why books are such a wonderful escape, why I enjoy reading Game of Thrones much more than watching it. Actually, the, the HBO series is really pretty good, but the books are so much better.
0: Yes, I've heard this, and yet uh, I have not taken up the 3,000 pages of Mr. Uh,
3: Martin. It's, it's an investment of, Mr. Martin. of time. Yeah. It's worth it, though. It's really good.
0: Yeah, I believe you. Um, i I didn't feel that was very sincere uh, it wasn't no (laughs) no (laughs) i never am um except for right now we're coming up on (laughs) the uh we're coming up on the end of our hour and so let me make my pitch uh to our listeners uh if you if you already enjoy horror or scary stories reading them then go on your merry way and continue if you don't, uh, if you are like me and like Ryan and like Ken, uh, you know, more fantasy people and this is kind of out of our wheelhouse, then consider going to some of the classics. Um, I, when I was, I, I've, I failed two things in my life. One was uh, Accounting 101 when I was in college because honestly, it's accounting. Uh, and that's just not my bag. Uh, this is why
1: we put Craig in charge of the money of the podcast. that's, yeah, that's, that's why I went into banking
0: for four years, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, it, the other thing was tenth grade English. I failed <laughs> I failed one term of tenth grade English, uh, which is why I then went into English in college. Um, mm-hmm. But I see a pattern. but it was actually the best thing that that could have happened to me that semester because I had to take a remedial English course. It was a night class. It was with uh, I, I don't remember, not even one of the teachers at the high school. Uh, so I went into this night class and I remember reading Edgar Allan Poe in that class far better than I remember anything else that we read in high school, Mm -hmm. Uh, anything. Uh, She did such a great job introducing the story to us. Uh, and I was with a bunch of other miscreants and we all just had a blast with this, uh, with Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, and this was after, you know, like, like I said, this is back in high school, but this is after I'd kind of written off scary as something that I enjoyed. You know, I watched Ernest Scared Stupid and I read (laughs) Goosebumps when I was, you know, uh, seven years old, but I'd let that stuff go thinking that that's not my cup of tea. And then I went and read Edgar Edgar Allan Poe and loved it. Uh, And then later on in college, I started reading H.P. Lovecraft. Loved that. Uh, So if you go back to some of those really classic things, maybe that's your gateway drug. The way to find... Uh, things that are that are more—I don't want to say tame because they're not; they're crazy. Uh, but they're well. What about something not, like Frankenstein? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, the world's somebody... first uh, sci-fi novel. Really, <laughs> a, a, a scary story?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's a, would be a great place to start for people that you're talking to. Well, yeah. Dracula, the original Dracula. Yeah, Bram Stoker's great. Dracula. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, one final thought. Just to, uh, if we're kind of coming up Bring on, it on the end. And that is that I've been thinking, I've been trying to dual process while we're talking, of your comment about sci-fi, uh, fantasy, and horror. And I actually kind of re- going to recant a little bit because the truth is that I do think that the horror genre of storytelling is to some degree pulling out and capitalizing on a portion of just fantasy in general, if you or the human uh, nature to, to fantasize. So one of the One of the things that's really great stories have in common is they kind of capitalize on our own natural fantasies uh, in a darker way. So uh, we talked in the past about um, uh, fairy tales and this idea that creatures and this whole world exist outside of our direct vision. But at night, if you walk around as a kid or even as an adult, like, have you ever been camping in the woods? And it's fun until the, it's dark. And then you're like, I know I'm 43 years old, but I think I'm going to get in the tent because this little <laughs> bit of plastic's going to save me. Um, you know, like we have this natural tendency to fantasize about uh, powers and a world that are just a little bit beyond our reach. And sometimes those stories are developed in in maybe more of an adventure sort of hero's journey way. But oftentimes they're developed to play upon some of our deeper, darker insecurities and fears. What is out there in the dark? What goes bump? When you see something go by, uh, you know, what is that? Was that a normal thing? Was Was it a monster? And I think that... Um, by allowing ourselves to kind of be tethered in this world but indulge in stories that way, it's a really fun way to kind of go through that whole roller coaster of the adrenaline and the resolution, but just kind of overcoming some of those fears that we had when we were younger that we may still harbor today. I think there are just, if if you don't like scary stories, don't mix up scary stories with just slasher horror. There's a lot of stuff out there that has a lot of suspense to it that that can be a lot of fun. And I think healthy to to read and enjoy.
0: All right. Well, if Matt says it, I guess it's got to be true. (laughs) Uh, Somebody will write in with (laughs) another opinion. He is actually smart. (laughs) Uh, All right. We've got to wrap it up, you guys. Like I said, we're coming up on the end of our hour. Uh, so, uh, any final thoughts, or shall we just head out? Ken? I really
2: wish we'd put a mannequin with a Jason mask
0: behind you in that window. Don't
2: ever, would ever good. talk to me again.
3: I do <laughs> want to plug one story. Okay. People who do like horror but haven't read the classic The Haunting of Hill House, which a lot of the modern, you know, The House, the House on, on Haunted, Haunted Hill, Hill type movies are based after. Um, that, is, that is a great You know, Shirley Jackson, you should read that.
0: Shirley Jackson, The Haunting of Hill House.
3: The Haunting of Hill House is where all those kind of haunted... If you like haunted house stories, that's a great one. Who Mm -hmm. doesn't?
0: Uh, Ryan, any final thoughts?
1: I just... I think I'm going to try and give a couple more things a shot and see if maybe I can spark something in this genre for me, but it's... Goosebumps, I,
0: I, try Goosebumps I'll start there start okay. with goosebumps. Sounds good um, I will just very quickly before we go Give a shout out to all of our new listeners This has been a huge month for us uh, Thank you everybody for tuning in uh, We're glad to have you hope you stick around for um, I know a lot of you tur- tuned into our old Mistborn series uh, I hope you stick around for uh, Other little goodies like this that we put out uh, So enjoy the Legendarian Podcast I know we do And thank you so much for listening, you guys. Have a good week.
1: This podcast is clean.
0: (laughs) What? I
3: love it. Clear. Clear. (laughs) Clean. Clear. This house is clear.
1: The Legendarium Podcast
3: is sponsored by Audible, the world's leading source of audiobooks. Follow along with our current series or enjoy some of the classics by visiting thelegendariumpodcast.com where you can sign up for your free trial membership. Click the sponsor link on our website for a free audiobook.